Open your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 15, the Gospel of Luke chapter 14, chapter 14. Try to speed it up about three months. morning I'm going to tell a story that will lead us into our verses today. I'm going to ask that you would bear with me this morning as you listen. This week in our nation, a video, a very vile video of the Republican candidate for president, Donald Trump, was released. Maybe you've heard about that. Uh, let me just go ahead and say very fairly and let me just say equally of both of the candidates, of their language of their lifestyle, of their actions, of our choice of president today, I am thoroughly disgusted, uh, both sides. But of this video, uh, very disturbing, very filthy comments are made concerning women. Uh, Donald Trump, he has apologized. He said, well, that was 11 or 12 years ago. Says that he has learned since then. He said, Bill Clinton talks worse than that on the golf course. That's his excuse. Uh, people are defending it as private conversation. Well, it's a private conversation. Some are saying, well, it's just locker room talk, and it is being downplayed. Now, that can be expected. There's a lot of money tied up in the election. Uh, yesterday morning, I went to a tennis match, and I heard some folks saying, well, uh, of that video, I can overlook it. Uh, it's still the same issues that matter. There's still uh, a better candidate than the other candidate. A lot of folks are probably going to say that. Uh, but I was, I was standing there and I was personally thinking this. I have a wife and I have a daughter and I have esteemed female friends. And if Mr. Trump tried to interact with them in the manner that he said on the video... I would pray for him, but it's probably going to be post-mortem. <laughs> and I say all of that to get to the point. Uh, I wonder today where all the pastors, where all the preachers uh, who clamored to stand with Mr. Trump, who, who wanted to endorse Mr. Trump, who wanted to be on his platform and get their picture made with him, I wonder what they have to say to their congregations this morning. You see, the problem that the Supreme Court doesn't value life goes back to the fact that America does not value life. The problem that the Supreme Court doesn't defend or value the freedom of religion is because America sees no value in the execution of a religion. The, the fact that the government doesn't value women, whatever we may say, is because our society objectifies and does not value women. And so let me just be very clear today. Let me make it very plain today, and you can mark it down this morning. Somewhere, God's people, led by God's pastors, have to stand on God's truth. Did you hear that? Somewhere, God's people, led by God's preachers, his pastors, have to stand on God's truth. And some of you will say, well, you can't talk about these subjects in a pulpit. Uh, someone might say, we'll lose our tax-exempt status. Let me just tell you, go ahead and cut my pay. We'll go ahead and pay the taxes, but we're going to preach the truth according to God's word. Our message today is entitled, The Divisive Directive 
to be a discerning disciple. The divisive directive to be a discerning disciple. We're in Luke chapter 14 today. We're gonna look at verses 15 through 24. Luke chapter 14 today, verses 15 through 24. I'm gonna ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 14, beginning here in the 15th verse. It says this. When one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man was giving a big dinner and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I've bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm try, going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have married a wife and for that reason I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported this to the master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to the slave, go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the slave said, master, what you have commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the slave, go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, None of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful for you. I'm thankful for the truth that stands. I'm thankful for my Savior, Jesus, that through him we have grace and we have mercy. We have the forgiveness of our sin as, as we've gathered today. Whatever has happened, whatever we've done, that we can be forgiven through Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that, that Jesus also empowers and enables us and calls us into his mission, a lasting and important, vital mission, leading folks to Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for that call. I'm, I'm thankful for a church where we can come and we can study your truth. I pray that we would take it to heart. We would be changed by it. I come today and ask that you would move in this hour, that you would speak to us in this hour, that we might be changed in this hour, we ask, knowing it's your will that none should perish, if there's any in this room that do not know you today, that today they might put their faith in Jesus Christ. That they might be saved by faith in my King. Again, we turn this service over to you, and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Our section of verses today is really a continuation of the first half of chapter 14, what we've already looked at. Now that section starts at the start of chapter 14 and I go believe goes all the way to verse 24. Well, this week and next week, we're gonna be addressing the section of verses beginning in verse 15 and going through the end of that section in verse 24. But this week, we're gonna look at just the first verse, just verse 15 this morning. And really, we're gonna receive our message today. We're gonna to hear our message today from the life of this one man here in verse 15. Let's look very closely today at verse 15. It says this. 
when one of those who were reclining at the table with him. With this introduction, we're introduced to this man here in verse 15. Now understand, this man is part of the in crowd. You have to understand how this guy fits in. He's part of the in crowd. Now, he could have been a lawyer. He could have been an expert in the law. He could have been a Pharisee. Most likely he was. He could have been, like the man who had the dinner party, a leader of the Pharisees. But anyway, we see he is at the dinner, and he had a seat at the table. And so we can deduce today this was a well-thought-of man. This was a man who was a part of the in crowd. And that's who this guy is. Here he is. He's at the dinner table. He is reclining there. And he is part of the in crowd. Let's go back to the verse. When one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this. Now the question then becomes, what had he heard? Now think about this for just a second. Think about the things that this man, this part of the in crowd, think about the things that he had recently heard. He had heard an attack on Jesus. He had heard about a ploy to trap Jesus. He may have even been part of that ploy, but he had heard this attack on Jesus, and then he had heard Jesus as he fended off the attack. I'm sure in that atmosphere, I'm sure at that dinner table, it was now very uncomfortable. I'm sure there was tension in the air. He hears them as they try to trap Jesus, and then he sees Jesus fend off and turn the attack back. I'm sure it's very uncomfortable there at this dinner table. Then he hears Jesus address the crowd, address those who were at the dinner. And and Jesus points out their lack of humility. Jesus very pointedly points out their pride and their jealousy. Now here are these religious guys, here are these pious guys here at the dinner and and Jesus shows them, look how you claw, and look how you fight to take the better seat. Look how you fight to be esteemed by man. When it's really not man's applause that matters, it's God's approval. And Jesus uses the event to call his people to humility by pointing out their lack of humility. Now, I don't know how tense it was before. I'm sure it's pretty tense. But can you imagine this now? He now takes it and he focuses on all these guys and says, you may be religious and you may be pious, but you're here with a lack of humility. I'm sure it is tense in the air. I'm sure it is uncomfortable at the table. Then he hears Jesus single out the guy who had set him up. This was the man who had set the plan in motion to entrap Jesus. This was the man who had had the dinner. And he calls the man out. And basically he reveals how self-serving he is. There in front of all of his peers, he reveals how self-centered, how selfish he was in his motive. And again, Jesus uses the event to to call his people to be generous by pointing out how non-generous this man was. He, He explains that, you know what, he gives a dinner because he expects a payment in return. Now, as he's heard that, I'm sure it is awkward. I'm sure it is uncomfortable. After hearing all that and no one is left untouched, I'm sure again there is tension 
in the air. There is conflict in the air. And having heard that, listen to the rest of the verse. And when one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now see this today. Get this this morning. Hearing all of that, with that tension in the air, this guy tries to ease the situation. With all of that in the air, he tries to change the focus. Really, he tries to, to smooth out things. And he says, yeah, we've heard all this, and yeah, it's uncomfortable here. But then he says, but happy are those, but blessed are those who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Basically, he says, we will all be happy as one day we will sit and eat in the kingdom of God. He tries to say here in the midst of all this conflict, you know what, it is all okay. We're all going to heaven. And with, with all of all these things going on, he says, we're gonna all celebrate. And, and with this conflict, with the, the truth that Jesus is speaking, he's saying we shouldn't let it worry us today. We shouldn't let it worry us at this point. We should not let these differences divide us because very smugly, we're all gonna be in the kingdom of heaven. See what he's doing here. Do not miss what he's doing here. He's trying to keep the peace at the expense of the truth. We've talked about that before. That's what this man is doing. There's, there's tension in the air and Jesus is speaking the truth and, and to defuse the situation, he says, yeah, but oh, we're gonna be happy when we eat bread in the kingdom of heaven. He's trying to keep the peace at the expense of the truth. With all that tension, he says, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Let me show you two things about this man. Let me show you two things of this man. He is either ignorant and he doesn't know the truth or he is a hypocrite and he doesn't care about the truth. Those are the two things about this man. He is either ignorant and he doesn't know the truth, or he is a hypocrite, and he doesn't care about the truth. And you say, well, where do you get that? Notice what Jesus says next. The lead off of verse 16 says this, but. It's a word of contradiction. It is a turning point. He says, but, and then he goes on to explain the parable. That parable ends in verse 24. Listen to this. Jesus says, for I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. This man says, happy is everyone. And Jesus says, not so fast. There's gonna be some who are not happy. Stay with me here this morning. We live in the age of this man. Today we live in an age where the truth is being distorted. We live in an age where the truth is being perverted. We live in an age where the truth is being manipulated and we live in an age when either in ignorance or in hypocrisy, people say, you know what, it is all right. We're all gonna be happy when we eat at the banquet in heaven. Today we live in the age of close enough. Today we live in the age of good enough. I started this morning and I said, 
It is time for the people of God, led by the preachers of God, to stand on the word, the truth of God. Let me tell you today, any deviation from the truth results in a lie. It is a lie. Do you understand that? Any turning from the truth, any shade of deviation from the truth, and it becomes a lie. Listen to me, disciple of Jesus Christ. We must be discerning. We must adhere to the truth. We must stand on the truth. And follower of Jesus Christ, we cannot compromise on the truth one little bit. Now someone might say, well, what's the big deal? Why does it matter? That's kind of what this guy was saying. You know what, in the end, we're gonna be happy as we dine at the, at the banquet table there in heaven. What is the big deal? Why does it matter? Let me show you the big deal today. The big deal is this. Jesus said in the end days, false teachers will rise. He likens them to ravenous wolves who will rise up and they're gonna look like the sheep. They're gonna dress like the sheep and they're gonna seek to devour the flock. Now listen to the setting that's talking about in the church. They're gonna come up through the church and they're gonna come and they're gonna be ravenous wolves seeking to destroy the flock and yet they're gonna look like sheep. What's the big deal? Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter four, in the last days, people won't want to hear sound doctrine. Instead of fact, they will not endure sound doctrine. Instead, they will want to have their ears tickled. They'll want to hear what sounds good. And they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myth. Friends, that is our day. Problem is, in an attempt to keep the peace, there's a whole lot of people saying it's okay. There's a whole lot of people saying, well, it's close enough. There's a whole lot of people saying, well, it may be a little bit different here and there, but we're all gonna be happy when we eat at the banquet table in heaven. And there's a whole lot of people just like this man. Let me tell you a hard truth, and it's this. As people who stand upon God's word alone, the goal is not to get along. The test is not the tolerance of all other ideas and messages. And peace is not to come at the expense of the truth. Be sure, listen to me, God's people are to be discerning as disciples. Do you understand that? God's people in this day, for sure, we must be discerning as disciples. And let me just go ahead and say the second part of that. And in this age, that is going to be divisive. That's what we see here in the life of this guy in verse 15. He'd rather be esteemed than point to the truth. He'd rather keep his seat and keep his place than to point to the truth. And that's what we see in the life of this guy here in verse 15. Let me give us some practical advice today. What do we do with this? What does it mean to us today in a day when, when the false teachers are everywhere and you turn on the, the radio and they're everywhere and, the, and they're rising up in the church and they seem close to the truth, but they're not the truth and therefore they're a lie. What do we do with this today? Let me give you some practical advice. First is this. It starts with the pastor and it starts in the pulpit. It starts with the pastor and it starts in the pulpit. Let me ask you a question today. 
Who is God called for the care and the feeding of the sheep? The pastor is. Let me ask you today, who is directed over and over again in Scripture to preach and to teach sound doctrine? Who is called in Scripture to preach the Word in season and out of season? Who is called in Scripture to know it and to proclaim it that you might be nourished on it? 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 says that word, that you might be nourished on it. Who is directed to be a workman approved, accurately handling the word of God? Who is that written to? And who will answer for it before God? Your pastor. The biblical model is this. Discipleship is to happen under the care of a local pastor. That's the New Testament model. These false teachers and their false teachings, they're on TV and they're on the internet and they're on Christian radio. And let me just tell you today, just because somebody has a platform, just because somebody has a cute thing on Facebook, just because maybe they even may be sponsored by Lifeway, doesn't mean they're proclaiming the truth. Many of them today are not. It starts with the pastor and it starts in the pulpit. Be sure and hear this as well. You listen to me. If me or if anybody else if this isn't their message, if God's word, the Bible, is not their message, you need to remove yourself from them. Paul said the same thing in his writings. He says, even if an angel comes in all of his glory, if he preaches to you something other than this gospel, remove yourself from it. Close enough won't cut it. First thing, it starts with the pastor and it starts in the pulpit. Second thing, train yourself to be discerning. Train yourself to be discerning. Do not be ignorant and not know the truth and do not be a hypocrite who doesn't care about the truth. Train yourself to be discerning. Let me give you today three ways that you can know the true gospel. Three ways that you can know the true message. Three ways, let me show you. First is this, listen very carefully. A gospel whose method is not the cross of Jesus is not the gospel. Did you hear that? A gospel whose method is not the cross of Jesus is not the gospel. Be sure we are saved through the cross of Calvary. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus by which we're saved. And I want to tell you, if the message that you're hearing, if, if the gospel that you're hearing requires good works, it's not the gospel. If it requires some kooky thing like positive affirmations, it's not the gospel. If it requires any effort of man, whether it's baptism or paying penance or what have you, it is not the gospel. We preach Christ and him crucified. It is the cross of Jesus Christ. Second is this. A gospel whose cure is for anything but sin is not the gospel. A gospel whose cure, whose remedy is for anything but sin is not the gospel. Now hear this today, be clear of this today. Jesus didn't come to earth to heal all the sick because if he did when he left all the sick would have been healed. Jesus didn't come to earth to end poverty because if he did when he left earth, there would be no more poor. Jesus didn't come to earth for a worldly cause or if he did when he left, there would be no worldly cares. 
No, Jesus came as the remedy for sin. He came to pay our price for sin. He came to satisfy God's anger towards sin that we might be justified and we might be cleansed from sin. False prophets today boldly say, well, that's not my message. Well, that's not what the world wants to hear about and that's, that's not how we can draw a crowd to our church and, and they'll say, I'll leave that to somebody else. I'm not gonna preach on sin. Well, to that I say, thanks a lot, fruitcake, for identifying yourself because our gospel shows us the cure for sin. Remember the song, Rock of Ages. Be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Rock of ages, let me hide myself in thee. Our gospel is the cure for sin. First, a gospel whose method is not the cross of Jesus is not the gospel. Second, a gospel whose cure is for anything but sin is not the gospel. Here's a big one. Number three, a gospel whose hero is anyone but Jesus is not the gospel. Hear that again. A gospel whose hero is anyone but Jesus is not the gospel. Today in our self-focused, self-centered culture, we have become the hero of the gospel. We have become the center of the gospel. We have become the focus of the gospel. And the gospel today has become all about us even in Christian circles and maybe especially in Christian circles, there are those false prophets and, and a bunch of them come out of the word faith movement and they have fed the monster that it's all about us and it's all about you. Go and look at the Christian bookstore today and, and look at the, the titles there. Go and listen to the message today. It is all about us and it's all about me and it's all about you. And, and today the common thought is that, that Jesus serves us and it's all about what do you need from Jesus? Do you need self-esteem? That's why it came. Do you need something else? Do you need blessing on top of blessing that you may stay hitched to the cause? And Jesus is here to glorify us and he's sitting somewhere and he's focused on us. Listen to me, that's a false gospel. I want to tell you this morning the gospel's about Jesus. He is God. That who through him all things are created and hold together. He humbled himself and came as a man. He lived a life with no sin, though tempted in every way as we are. He went to the cross to satisfy God's anger and his wrath towards sin. He dead was placed in a rich man's grave. He, on Easter Sunday morning, stepped out of that grave and he had defeated death and he had defeated Satan and he's victorious over sin. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is reigning on his throne at this very hour. One day he's coming again for us. Listen to me, the gospel is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Any other focus and it's a false gospel. Folks, we have to be discerning. We can't be like this man in verse 15 who says close enough, who says good enough. It is time for God's people led by God's preachers to stand on God's truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come and I'm thankful for this one little verse. We see this one guy 
well esteemed, well thought of, maybe well intended, but he was wrong. You came to show, you know what, the gospel's divisive. They came and thought they had a system where they could work to, to impress even God, and you said, no, here's the truth. Thankful for your truth, and I'm thankful that it still stands. I come and I, I pray for preachers who will stand upon the truth of God's word. It won't be led into the temptation to, to, to soften it down or to change it or to adapt it to meet the society we live in today. Let us call biblically right, biblically right, and biblically wrong, biblically wrong. Let us stand upon the truth of God's word. More than anything, let us herald the biblical gospel, the remedy for sin, the double cure. Help us to show people peace and forgiveness with a holy, righteous, just God. We come today and I'm thankful for this word. And I pray that you impress it upon our hearts that we've been changed today, that we will continue to be changed as we go out. And I pray for today for a people, for a church that will stand upon the truth of what you have said. Not worried about, well, that, that, may, that may offend somebody. That may change somebody's decision down the line. Let us stand upon the truth of what you said. Let us carry your beacon high. and Let it be your light that shines. I pray for some in this hour, this service, that do not know Jesus Christ. I pray that today they might put their faith in our Savior, in my Lord, in my King. Move in this time of invitation. I praise you and I worship you and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.